Man. Am I on? Can you hear? Is this on? I guess so. Okay. We record these for posterity or in case somebody wa- accidentally wants to hear it or usually for the ones that are in children's church so they can at least get part of the, you know, the service. So, and you know, Tammy isn't here this morning because she had a family situation come up this morning that she had to go take care of. So, but last week I started talking about resolutions for the new year. And I don't know whatever possessed me to think that I was going to get through all of them in one, in one service. I tried. At the end, I tried like a racehorse trying to get through them, but I didn't do it. So I'm going to kind of finish that up this morning and um, so we can complete that because it was kind of a package type thing. We talked about five of them this morning. I mean, excuse me, last week we talked about uh, the no, let not your mercy and truth forsake you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. Those are the kind of the five things that we discussed last week. And I tried to run through this sixth, the sixth one, but I didn't do, didn't do it, so I just had to just quit and start. And that's why I'm going to start this morning. Six resolutions. If you don't like the word resolutions, then call it six principles. Principles to live by, because that's what they are. Just it's the first year, so it's nice to start in the first year to have a set of rules and principles to live by. Because God has his word there for us to read and for us to know what they are. Because God holds us accountable for everything that's in his word. And if we don't know what's there, how are we going to know? And when we read his word, it changes who we are. That's why God wants us to read his word, is because it changes who we are. Because his word is alive. It's the only book that's alive. I've read a lot of books, and a lot of them, I, you know, I don't really read them more than once because, you know, I already know it. I'm not, I'm not very good with reruns of things on TV. I'm not very good with that because I've seen it. Hey, I've seen this. <laughs> Turn it off. Go something else because I don't like a lot of reruns. But that's the difference between that and the Bible. The Bible is new every morning, new every day. I don't care. You could read the same chapter every day for the whole year, and it would still be new every morning to you. If you read it, read it with an open heart and allowed God to use that to be able to change who you are. Because it has life. His, his word is life. And it changes us. But of course, that's why some people don't want to read it. Because it does change you. It lets you know that, hey, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I don't like that. So I better not read that. I'm going to take that out of my Bible. Don't like that one. But we have to read the whole Bible, not just the, the, the chapters and the verses that we like. We have to read it all because it's a package. You can't take part of the Bible out without ruining the whole, the whole thing. So it's a complete book. It's something we have to read all of. I, I kind of skim through those genealogies, though. I'll have to admit that. I, don't, I can't even hardly pronounce them. You know, so I figured, well, I, it, okay, I'll shh. Okay, shh, shh. Because, I, you know, it's not that important to me. But it was important to the people in the Jewish community who it was written to, to let them know who begot who and who begot who. If you're looking for uh, an uh, inheritance, which we all are, right? We are looking for an inheritance. Then you want to know if, what, if your dad passes away what he has so I can get some of it. Right? That's why they have a will. <laughs> So it's important to be able to know what your heritage is. 
And so we do know, we kind of skip the steps, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, then David, and then, <laughs> then Jesus, <laughs> or Joseph, and then Jesus. And we don't, so that's what we use. Because we want our inheritance, and our inheritance comes through Jesus. So they are, they do have their, their purpose, and, but uh, I like to read the whole thing. And I, I do read the Bible through every year. If you don't do that, it's a good thing to start doing. It's still early in the year. You can go back and catch up. Because at the end of the year, you'll read every verse in the Bible instead of just, just the New Testament or just a few books of the Bible. So it, it's a good thing to get in the habit of. Okay, resolution number six. We're going to be in Proverbs, the third chapter. I'm sorry I should have given you that so you could, you know, be getting there. And uh, Proverbs has got the greatest uh, principles to live by that there is. Of course, the New Testament has a lot of them, too. Jesus gave us a lot of, of principles to live by in his parables and in the Sermon on the Mount and all those kind of things. But uh, the Old Testament, Solomon, well, the wisest man there was. I don't think he was the wisest man in the world. I think Adam outshined him before he, he fell and sinned. I think Adam was a lot smarter than Solomon because Adam didn't have to have a special thing to, in order to know these things because he was born with that. So, but Solomon was considered the wisest man in the world, and he wrote a lot of books. He wrote over 2,000 parables and things, and he wrote the book of, most of the book of, book of Proverbs. So that's what we're going to study from in, the, in the chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 13. Search diligently for wisdom and find it. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she, wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. Can you imagine what kind of a nation we would live in if they just had some wisdom? Or if they just had knowledge? They don't, do, they don't worry about nothing. They just print stuff or they just talk about stuff. This last week they were talking in the news about Sarah Palin, somebody started to pick something up from a blog. And we all know that blogs are all true, right? And they picked something up that said that Sarah Palin's uh, son wasn't hers. And so the news, they were broadcasting, and they were doing these, all these other kind of things. Well, it was a bunch of baloney because they didn't check anything out. They didn't bother to seek for knowledge. So they didn't care. And that's the kind of society we live in. They don't care about the information, whether it's true or not. They don't care about wisdom. All they want to do is be the first one out there to be able to get on the front page and get their little five minutes of fame, and who cares who it ruins. But if this nation would just strive for knowledge and just strive to earn wisdom, man, what a difference it would make. What a difference it would make in our own lives if we just sought knowledge and we get all our knowledge from God's Word. That's where we get it from. All knowledge and wisdom comes from God. And there's two principles or two things, characteristics of, of wisdom. One of them is information. And information is knowledge. Sometimes we wonder what this word knowledge. But it's just information. We're supposed to get true information. It has to be true information too. It doesn't matter just to get information. It's got to be true information. And that's knowledge. When you go to, as if you're a mechanic and you go to school and you study, you're getting information. You're getting, gaining knowledge in your head. To be able to, to understand the workings of a motor. To understand the workings of, of the carburetor. And all the things that have to do with that. And nowadays they have to know about all the electronic stuff that's there. So they have to have a lot of knowledge. I don't want to take my car to somebody that doesn't have any knowledge. 
But I also don't want to talk, go take my car to anybody that doesn't know how to use that knowledge. And that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is taking the knowledge and the information that you know and using it correctly. If I go to a mechanic because my battery's dead and he starts working on the carburetor, I have a problem. My car has a problem. He has to have the wisdom to know that he has to, if they're having a, it isn't starting because of the battery, he needs to fix the battery not, or change the battery, not the carburetor. And sometimes that's what mechanics do when you're a home mechanic. You're trying to sit, figure out what's wrong with your car, and you sit there and you start trying to replace everything there is, and it still don't work. And you're wondering, what in the world's going on here? So then you have to break down and take it to somebody who has wisdom because they have more knowledge than you. You may have a lot of knowledge, but you don't know how to use it properly. So that's what wisdom is, is using knowledge correctly. A farmer has to have wisdom, not only knowledge. He has to know what he has to do to make his farm work. He has to know what equipment he needs in order to put in his crops. He has to have the, he has to have seed. He has to have a way to water it. He has to have fertilizer. He has to have all these things in order for, for him to be a farmer, to plant things. Otherwise, if he doesn't know how to plant seed, he isn't going to have a crop. And he's going to go belly up because he doesn't have any wisdom on how to use it. He can, you can have all the stuff that you want in your garage. You can have all the tools that you need. You can have all the seeds that you need to have a garden. But until you put them in the ground, they're no good. Until you water them, until you cultivate them, it doesn't matter. You're still going to have just seeds and nothing's going to turn out. You have to be able to have the wisdom to know not only what you need to make that crop grow, but also what not to do. Because sometimes knowledge and, knowledge and wisdom is knowing what not to do. That's a, that's a lot of our life. We, wisdom shows what we need not to do. There are a lot of things I don't want to do because God has given me enough wisdom to know, hey, you do this, this is going to happen. In this bailout plan that all this financial stuff that we're going through, it was caused because people didn't have any wisdom. Oh, they wanted that. They were looking at the end item. They were looking at the profit. They knew they couldn't afford a house if they, that where it was $500,000 on a $40,000 a year income. That doesn't take a lot of wisdom to know that. And yet, what did they do? They ignored the wisdom that they had to have had. I can't believe that that many people didn't have any wisdom at all. And they just went ahead and bought it, and now, well, look what happened. They were losing their houses. And all these financial crises that we're going through is because the people involved didn't know how to use wisdom. They got all the knowledge. They, had, they tried to tell them, you can't just give money and money and money and money because sooner or later, the, the time to pay the popper. And the market right now is just basically equalizing. That's what it's doing. We have the highs and we have the lows. Unfortunately, there were too many people that got caught in the highs, and now they're going to suffer the big lows and can suffer loss. But if you took all that information that, you, that they learned and used wisdom, they would have known they should never have tried to buy that house. I'd rather buy a one-bedroom house I can afford and live in and not have to worry about where my meals are going to come from or how I'm going to be able to afford shoes for my kids or clothes to put on their back than I would to have a 3,000-square-foot house that I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. When the market crashes or if the value isn't there, if you have a half a million dollars, man, you can buy a million-dollar house right now. Up in Salt Lake, you can buy them because they're up there. They're all vacant and empty because they built them during the, during the inflammationary time and everything was happy and everything was going on. That's when they did it. But now they're sitting up there empty because there's nobody to buy it. 
So you can buy one if you have $500,000 to buy a house. I couldn't even afford the taxes on a $500,000 house up there. <laughs> and if God wants me to have a $500,000 house, he'll have to give it to me. And he'll have to pay the taxes too. <laughs> but he will if we use wisdom in those kind of things. Then we don't have to worry about what's going to happen to us because that's what we do. We we're responsible to gain information or knowledge, and then we you ask God to give us wisdom. We've never bought any big major thing that we've bought in our lives without praying and asking God, should we do this or should we not do this? And I remember when we moved here, uh, well, we bought the land two years before we moved here, and we come out here, and there was a house up the road from us. It was during the, uh, the right after 9-11, and all the, nobody had any money, and the economy was suffering pretty good then. And we could have bought a really nice house. Oh, man, we wanted that house so bad. Oh, because it was deflated, and we thought, oh, man, this is such a good deal. I'm getting, you know, I'm saving $50,000 on this house. Man, we'd love to have bought it, but we hadn't sold our house. And we thought, oh, no, oh, we want this house so bad, but we had to use wisdom and know that, hey, we can't do it because I can't afford two house payments. I can't do that. So we had to let it go. But that was wisdom. Because I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than being so strapped for cash that you take it out on the dog, you take it out on your wife, you take it out on your husband, you take it out on your kids. And then you're eating Kraft macaroni and cheese, and that's good, but it might not be good three meals a day for five years while you're trying to get out of this mess you got into. But if that happens to you, then that's what you need to do. We need to bite the bullet and just say, okay, I'm going to change this. I'm going to do something different. Because it... It's not wisdom to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result. That's kind of stupid, isn't it? If I get in my car and head toward town, turn right on the 89, every single time I'm going to hit Kanab. So if I'm trying to go into Page, I'm going the wrong direction. I've got to change something. And me going to Kanab isn't going to get me to Page. And so if we're in a situation in our life, we have got to change the direction of what we're doing, if that's if something like that's going on in our life. We've got to change something. We've got to ask God, give me wisdom on how I'm going to get out of this mess. Because we all get into those circumstances sometimes. Sometimes it's because of medical bills. Sometimes it's because uh, a death in the family. There's all kinds of things that cause them, not necessarily just because you made bad decisions, because there are people that make good decisions and then something happens and destroys their life. Because we're not guaranteed anything. And then we ask to ask God, I need the wisdom. I need wisdom to be able to get through this. So wisdom is one of the most important things that we as Christians can seek for. And it says that those that search, search diligently will find it. And it said it's worth more than gold, more than silver. It's more valuable than anything that we could possibly strive for. There's nothing wrong with wealth. God doesn't condemn wealth. God uses wealth. And that's why we have wealth, to be used of God, to be able to utilize it for his kingdom. And God has people to get a lot of money because they're big givers. So there's nothing wrong with wealth. It's how we use it. And our, if our search is for wealth instead of for wisdom, we have a problem. Because that's going to change who we are. Because if we're spending all of our energy towards trying to get money, then pretty soon we're going to leave God out of our life. Because we don't have time to come to church because I've got to go to work. I don't have time to do this because I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I don't have time to spend with my kids because I've got to work. I'm putting food on the table for them. I've got to do this. Well, sooner or later, there's a piper that's going to have to be paid. And usually your family suffer from it, and a lot of people end up getting divorced or the kids grow up dysfunctional because that isn't the way God planned it. It's okay to have wealth, 
but we got to have our perspective in where it needs to be. So we need to seek diligently for wisdom, not wealth, because it's more valuable. It's the most valuable thing that we can have. And wisdom is an ongoing fruit of the search. The more we seek for wisdom, the more we're going to gain it, and the more our lives are going to be blessed. So it's kind of a, a win-win situation for us there. There's no knowledge that's not attacked, attached to God. God, if we want wisdom, God has the wisdom. He's the only place that we can get wisdom is through God. Verse 16. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Wow. Long life is in her right hand. Now, there's no differentiation between the right hand and the left hand. It's just kind of a, a uh, Jewish thing. That's, that's the way that they talk. We would say in, in their hands is life, long life, and riches. We would just say that. But they differentiate but knowing that there's, they're two separate things. So you get a long life, and who doesn't want a long life? Long life is good. The longer you're here, hopefully well and healthy and fat and sassy, the better it is. <laughs> but I don't want to have a long life if I don't have the, the riches or the wealth of God in order to live those lives. There are a lot of people who don't want a long life. There are a lot of people that are sick and in hospitals tonight that don't want long life. But God says, I'm going to give you a long life. And with that long life, I want to give you riches. I want to give you blessings. I want to be able to make you so blessed that people are going to wonder what's going on in their life. And it isn't necessarily always the dollar value. Every time we think of blessing or riches, we think gold and silver. But how many people that don't have children, and they've wanted children their whole lives, can't have any, and they say, oh, man, I would be so blessed if I just had a child, if I could have a baby to hold in my arms. Oh, man, I'd be so blessed. To them, that would be one of the greatest blessings that they could have in their life, would be to have a child. So we can't always equate God's blessing to riches. If we do, then we're going to start chasing riches. And when we chase riches, then we're ending up going the wrong way to get home. Because when we chase riches, it gets her further and further away from home, just like it was for me when I, when I was a little kid leaving the school. It left me further and further away from where I wanted to be. So we need to do those things. God provided jobs for us. He provided for us to do those things. But we can't make that our number one goal. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. It's pleasant. Man, if you can just enjoy your life, not only it's bad enough, if you get a long life, you get to enjoy it too because it's pleasant and it's sweet. And that's what we want. We want a nice life to be able to enjoy our life. And God says, hey, you seek wisdom? It's going to change who you are, and your, your attitudes are going to change, and everything in your life is going to change, and all of a sudden you're going to be able to enjoy your life. You don't have to worry or be stressed out over all this stuff because God's going to work things out for you. Verse 19, By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundation. <clears throat> By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the deeps were divided and the clouds were let drop the dew. He reminds us that he's the creator of all things. And he created them out of his knowledge and understanding. And his wisdom enabled him to be able to do it. And we're finding out a lot through science now how things work. 
And they're, you, you know, we see all these uh, tech things, you know, in your movies, you see all these special effects that they have. Well, they got that information because of some of the things that, that God did in creation. They look at the things that they're made up of, and they enlarge them, enlarge them, enlarge them, and they find out that they're all just a little individual things that makes up the bigger whole. So all they've got to do is find a little thing, and then they make it up, and they can move them any way around they want to make all these spectacular things we see in all these sci-fi movies with the lightsabers and the battles and the starships and all these things. It's all computer-generated because they have the knowledge and understanding of how to take little pieces of information to turn it into that. But we're reminded that God is the creator of everything, and God has all the knowledge and understanding that, that's needed. So if we want knowledge and we want understanding and we want wisdom, we have to get it from God because he's the only creator. He's the only, one, the only place we can get it from because he knows everything. Verse 21. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment. If people just had sound judgment on things, what a difference it would make. We've got a lot of judges in the Supreme Court and other, uh, these state courts that don't have sound judgment. If they just had sound judgment, then the legal system would be fair. If we had lawyers that just had sound judgment instead of seeking after the money that they can get from each case, what a difference the world would make. Well, God says for us to have sound judgment, and we need to utilize this judgment that God gives us, but we aren't going to have sound judgment if we're not getting it from God. Because the further we get away from God, the more things don't matter. When I wasn't a Christian, I looked at things a lot differently. Things that I thought, you know, I wouldn't do in a million years today, I didn't think there's anything wrong with it. No big deal. But now, the closer I get to God, I'm uncomfortable with doing some of those things. He didn't tell me, say, hey, beat me over the head and say, hey, you can't do this, Sandra. No more of that. Stop it. Sometimes he slaps, slaps you. But generally speaking... It's when I get closer to God that some of these things don't matter anymore. It's not important whatever it was that I wanted to get. I tell Christians, you know, or non-Christians, they actually say, man, look at everything you gave up to be a Christian. And I said, I didn't give up anything except my sin. That's all I was required to give up in ownership to my life. But when I accepted God into my life, there are a lot of things I didn't want to do anymore. And if I, didn't, if I don't want to do them, did I really give them up? When I met Randy and fell in love with him, hey, every, all the other men meant nothing to me. I didn't give up any men. I didn't have to forsake all others because he's the only one I could see. He's the only one I wanted to spend my life with. So I didn't have to worry about the other guys that were in my life. I did have some when I was younger. You know, I didn't always look like this. <laughs> I was engaged, what, three or four times before I got married. And my, husband, my, my husband, my dad says, what are you doing? I says, I'm going to open my own jewelry shop. <laughs> so... There was a lot of guys out there that, you know, didn't have a lot of wisdom and understanding or something. I don't know. But that was what, I, you know, what we're required to do. And that's why we say in the marriage vow, forsaking all others. We shouldn't have to say it, but we do. And they always say, oh, yeah, I'm going to forsake all others and just cling unto them. But when they do that, all the others don't matter. Wouldn't even have to put that in there because all they can see is that person. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to commit to him and all the stuff over here doesn't matter. The closer you get to God and the closer your life is in God, the less problems you have with the, these gray areas. You don't need to worry about them because God makes them very clear. Because you don't want to do, I don't want to do anything purposely to hurt my husband. 
I won't go out of my way to hurt my husband in anything that I do. Sometimes I don't cook some of the best things that there is to cook when I experiment. But God wants the best things for us, and I won't do anything to hurt him. And God isn't going to do anything to hurt us. And we have to be able to have that faith and that confidence and know that God wants the best for us. And the, the best for us is being in him and hiding our lives in him. And when we get closer to him, he makes things clearer, and we don't have to worry about it. And that's what God's will is. But it's part of sound judgment and discernment. Sound judgment and discernment are kind of different things. You have to judge. Judgment's basically on things that's happened. How do you decide what you're going to do with it? Discernment is kind of before. Discernment's before you do something. The judgment's afterwards. So God wants to give us discernment and judgment. Discernment so we don't have to worry about doing some things. If we have God's discernment, we ask him, say, God, should I do this? And God would say, either yes or no. And if you don't hear from him when the time that you need to make that decision, then what do you want to do? Because usually, believe it or not, God sometimes lets us do what we want to do. God isn't just up there with a whip and say, ah, whap, slapping things out of our hand. He wants us to do some things we want to do because he says he'll give us the desires of our heart. So if you have desires of certain things in our heart, then maybe God put them there so he don't have to worry about telling you no or yes or whatever, maybe, if you have to make a decision in a certain time frame. If you want a new car and you can afford a new car and it isn't going to put your family in a situation where you're going to have to eat macaroni and cheese for the next six years while you pay for it, hey, God, well, I think all Christians should have new cars. I think they should have SUV Escalades or Mercedes or all these expensive Lexuses and all those things. I think everybody should have that. And I believe that God would love to be able to give it to all of us. But unfortunately, we cannot all handle it. I keep telling him, God, I can handle more. Honest, I can handle a Cadillac. I can handle a BMW. I can handle this. But God knows better. Because some people, when they get things... Then their pride starts perking up in their heart, and they drive around that new car. They think, oh, man, look what I did. Look what I did. And then what happens? It separates us from God because we didn't do nothing. God blessed us to be able to do that, and God wants to make sure that we can handle it. So you have all the money that God can trust you with right now, and when God can trust you with more, you'll get more. So I have to pray, God, trust me with this money I want to trust trust me with more how can I you trust me with this money that I have and that's what we need to do because we God can trust you with just exactly with what you have and if you give you more if God gives you more you're not going to do any different with it than you'd have now that's why all these people that win the lottery in five years they're bankrupt they've lost everything because they've blown it all the very few of them I don't know maybe never none of them have ever been able to handle that wealth all at once like that people that gain it through work and through striving to do things, they are the ones that appreciate it more. Kids appreciate more if they have to work for it. If you give your kids everything that they need, or every, I mean not everything they need, everything they want, then they don't appreciate it, and they don't take care of it. But if they have to work for it, then hey, that's a different scenario. We didn't give our kids cars. If you, if you do that, then that's fine. That's, you know, difference. They had to work for it. We helped them, but we wasn't going to get it for them. And if they couldn't afford gas in the tank and insurance, well, their own insurance, hey, they weren't driving it. That was the reality of it. And what happened because of our rules, they all grew up to be reasonably responsible adults. 
And that's what we want. So God treats us the same way. God doesn't give us everything we want. Sometimes he gives us what we want, but not every time. Because of those very reasons. And he called, this, this was my son. And the Bible says we are sons. See, you don't care about the neighbor's kids. Doesn't matter what the neighbors do unless they're over interfering with what's going on in your life. If they're messing up or in your yard or something, then you care. But generally speaking, you care about your sons. And we are all are God's sons. And God cares about us. And he's going to treat us like sons, real sons. Not let us get away with everything we want to get away with. He's not going to do that. Parents do. God's going to discipline us. If parents discipline their kids, man, what a difference those kids would turn out to be. Wouldn't have all the little heathens running around thinking that they're little gods and everybody should bow down and worship them and owe them a living. My kids didn't grow up thinking that the world owed them a living. They grew up with the idea, if you want a living, you're going to have to earn it. So, and that's what God wants to do with us. He wants us to make us responsible citizens. And we train our kids. We train them in the way that we want them to be. We train them to be responsible. We train them to go to get a job and everything that's required. Because they're sons, they're our kids, and that's the way God is with us. He trains us the way he wants us to go. Verse 22. They will be life for you, an ornament of grace on your neck. What will be life to you? Good judgment and discernment. And we're supposed to wear them around our neck. We're supposed to be proud of our judgment and our, and our discernment and not just try to get away with things that we can get away with. God wants us to have good judgment and discernment. And he says they will be life for us and an ornament to our lives. If people see that you have sound judgment, they'll call and ask you for information. I know my kid, kids call and say, what do you think about this? My son went here a while back was going to buy a new car. And he was going to trade his other one in. And I said, you know, start asking questions they don't think about. What's the interest rate? How long's the payments? How much they giving you for a trade-in? And they give me the information. I said, so you're going to pay this amount, of this amount of dollars for this amount of years. And I said, so this means you're going to pay this much money for this car? And he said, whoa, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. That's about, it was about twice or three times what the car was worth. He said, oh, ain't no way, ain't no way, because sometimes they try to sucker you into things. Well, it's only an extra $10 a month. Oh, that isn't a big deal. Oh, just $10 a month, that isn't much. So we always get sucked into that. It's only $10 more a month. But the problem is we're tied in for a longer period of time. So do we really want to do that? So we have to use a little wisdom, good judgment, and discernment. Say, no, I don't want to do that. I'll finish paying off my vehicle. You know, it's a lot nicer to drive a car that's paid for than one you owe money on. There's just something about that, knowing that it belongs to you, that makes a difference in your life. And God wants us to be debt-free. He died so we could be debt-free as far as our sins are concerned, and he wants us to be debt-free in this economy. And we can be if we just use good judgment, sound judgment, and discernment, knowing not where to sign our name and where to. Because if you need transportation and you need a car, I mean, there are times we have to do that. There's times we have to go out there and do that. And we ask God, which one should I get? Which one's going to benefit me? Because the last thing I want to buy is somebody else's heartache, somebody else's trouble. And then you end up paying more money to keep it on the road than it's worth. So we have to ask God for good discernment about that. And that's where it helps our life. Verse 23. Then they will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you, you will not be afraid when you lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. You can go on your way in safety. Wow, that's a promise. Don't have to worry about it. 
When you're following God and you're in his wisdom and you walk in his path, you don't have to worry about your safety because God's going to take care of it. You don't have to worry about it because he's the one that's going to shine the light on where you should go. If you're walking around in the dark at night, you're going to stumble and you're going to fall and you're going to skin your knees and hurt a lot of other things. If it was me, it would be hurt more than just the skin knees. I'd need a crane to help me get up. So I did that here a while back. I was sitting there and... I was, it was after I'd had my last surgery, and I was sitting at the computer. First time I was sitting at the computer, and I thought, you know, pushing down there on the floor isn't that far to push that button, you know, to turn it on. I thought, man, that isn't a big deal. Big deal. So I can do that. So I reached down there, to, and I reached too far because the body didn't want to work that far, and the chair went, boom, flipped forward. It threw me forward, threw my head underneath the desk, and I'm pinned because the chair landed right between one bookcase and the other bookcase, and I'm screaming, and I'm hollering, and the dogs are licking me in the face, and I'm yelling for Randy to come and get me, and he's... <laughs> I mean, it was funny. I'd like to have had it on video, I'll tell you, because it was funny. And I'm sitting there, and I'm caught, and the dogs are licking me in the face, and man, talk about pain, because my knees are hyperextended in the, in the position I'm at because it's caught by the, by the chair, and he's sitting there, and he's hammering, because when I do something, man, I do it good. And he's hammering that thing, trying to get that chair out of underneath there, where it's hooked right underneath the desk, the back of the chair. And finally, he hit it right, and then, wow, boy, did that hurt. I didn't know you needed so much wisdom to turn on a computer. You know, just one little, little incidental thing. And that's how we end up sometimes in our lives. Just one little tiny thing can mess up our whole life. And we'll pay for it for a long time. So now, I, from now on, after that, I went and got this little helper I got. Now I go, or I'll push it on with my toe. I ain't taking no chances. I don't want to end up there again. I'm just glad he was home. I'd have been one of those people you heard about in the news last week that was caught in the furnace vent for, uh, for thir- two days. Man, that'd have been terribly miserable. So I wouldn't like that. So sometimes we end up in those situations. But if I'd have thought about it in advance, used a little bit of wisdom. Now, wait a minute here. This, your bending doesn't quite work right, you know. You're gonna, not going to work. It wouldn't have happened. But then you wouldn't have had a good laugh this morning, would you? So I guess it was okay. <laughs> so, but God wants to lead us in his path in the way that he wants us to go. And our sleep will be sweet. Wow. If you can just lay down on your bed and have sweet sleep, the world would kill for that. We, we have so many drugs that people buy. You got all these sleeping pills out there. We got all these uh, muscle, muscle relaxers. We got all these things just to help people sleep. But God says, hey, if you seek me, I mean, you seek my knowledge and wisdom, hey, you're going to have sweet sleep. So if you want to sleep well, meditate on God's word. And then you can go to sleep, and you have sweet, le- sweet sleep, and you don't need to worry about your foot stumbling. Uh, Proverbs, uh, the verse 3, excuse me, 3, verse 25. This is number 7. Have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Have no fear of sudden disaster. How many people right now with all this stuff that's going on in Israel are having a fear in their heart because they wonder what's going to happen? Oh man, if that goes on, they're going to nuke them. The next thing they're going to do, they're going to nuke us. And we worry and we worry and we worry about all this disaster that's coming. Or the earthquakes or the fires in California and all these things that we've worried about and God says don't worry about it everything's in control he's not saying that we're not going to have some of these things but God says if I'm going to help you I'm going to get you through these situations you don't have to worry about them 
We don't have to worry about sudden destruction coming upon us. We just need to concentrate on God and let him give us peace. Let him give us the things that we need to get through this life. Because none of us are going to get through this life alive unless the Lord comes. Sooner or later, the Lord, the Lord comes, they're going to be throwing dirt on me. No, they're not. I'm going to get cremated, so they're not throwing me in a hole. But sooner or later, we're all going to die if the Lord tarries. That's the reality of it. But we're not going to have to worry about those kind of things. I don't have to worry about if I go to St. George and get in a wreck and die. Because, hey, hey, that's victory for me. My husband and I might not like it. Hopefully you don't like it. <laughs> but, hey, I'm going to be in heaven before the, before the smoke clears from the, the radiator. You know, so it's okay. I don't have to worry about these things. It's not a bad thing sometimes for us when we're Christians. It's when we're not Christians we have to worry about it. And we don't need to be so concerned about the wicked. Uh, you know, it just irritates me that the wicked prosper. Doesn't it make you mad? You've got Christians that are serving God and they're doing all these things and they're, they're struggling and they're trying to make men's eat week after week after week. And yet you see this person over here and all they're doing is conniving and stealing and conning and everything like that and it seems like their lives are so blessed. God says don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Because the scales of justice are going to fall one day. And I'd rather be poor in this world and rich in the next than be rich in this world and poor in the next. Amen? That's the most important thing. God is preparing us for heaven. He's not preparing us for this life. I don't want to be prepared for this life. I want to go to heaven. Heaven sounds so much sweeter to me than this place. I look and forward to heaven. And if you're not looking forward to heaven, then you need to get closer to God. Because the closer we get to God, the more we want to be in his presence. And heaven is being in his presence 24-7. And being able, if you have something, you communicate with God instantly, and it's done. Hey, wow, I'm looking forward to that. But we don't have to worry about watching the wicked's life. Because when we walk the wicked prosper, then we start coveting their lifestyle. And we start coveting their lifestyle, then we start following their lifestyle. So we need to be careful about that. We don't need to worry about it. God's got everything in control, and he'll work it out. And if they may think they're getting away with something, but nobody gets away with anything. Sooner or later, God will take care of it. Uh, number 8, verse 27. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. And Oh, I guess the rest of it. That was the, that was the principle. Do not hold good for notice to deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow, when you have it in your power, have it to give today. God wants us to make sure that we can help people when it's in our power to do so, instead of turning our back on people. Some people, they say, well, come back tomorrow, because we just want to get rid of them. We have no intention of helping them, we just want to get rid of them. But in this period of time, what they had was they had a lot of uh, owners that would hire laborers to do work, and they're supposed to pay him at the end of the day. It wasn't no two weeks and you get a paycheck. You got paid every day you worked back then. And he would tell the parents, oh, I'll pay you later. Come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you. When they had the money then. The bad, one of the bad things is that they earned it and you should be giving it to them, number one. And number two is you're having the arrogance to say, how do you know you have it tomorrow? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed anything. So if it's within our power to help somebody today... Let's do it today. Let's don't wait till tomorrow. Let's do it today. And that's what God wants us to do, is to be able, if we can do it, let's do it. Number nine, verse 29. Do not plot harm against your neighbors who lives trustfully near you, 
Do not accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. This is the Old Testament version of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Don't plot evil against your neighbors. Don't try to figure out how you can cheat somebody out of money. We have a lot of con artists in this world. And all they want to do is cheat you out of money. They want to cheat you out of things that, that, that belong to you. And they try to, to tempt you or they try to bait you with all this money you're going to make. And then they get your money and then they lose it for you. But if you use wisdom, you wouldn't give it to them. But don't plot harm against your neighbor. God's going to judge those people. Everyone that's conned these old people or young people or whoever they are, God's going to judge them. And there's going to be a judgment day coming. So you obey the Old Testament golden rule. And that's wisdom. Number nine, Proverbs, uh, the 29th verse. Oh, no, I already did that one. Ah, number 10. You didn't think I was ever going to get there, did you? Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways. For the Lord detests a perverse man, but takes the upright into confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks the mockers, but gives grace to the humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools he holds up to shame. God's going to judge the wicked. There's a curse upon the wicked. May not, we may not understand it. We may not see it. We don't know what's going on in their heart. They may look on the externally, externally that they're happy and they're having a great life driving their Lamborghinis and living in those great big fancy houses and those kind of things. But how many rich people commit suicide because they have no, they have no peace in their heart? Because there's a curse that goes with it when you're not serving God. And we don't want to envy their lives. We don't want to emulate the things that they're doing because there's a curse attached to it. We want to be able to choose, not choose in violent man's ways. We want to choose God's ways because he mocks the mockers. Eventually, it's going to come of heyday, and God's going to take care of it. We can't worry about that. And envy, of course, leads to sin because it pulls us away from God. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's the bottom line. And the closer we get to God, we don't need... All these rules. You know, if we stay close to God, we don't even need the Ten Commandments. Because God writes the laws in our hearts. We know in our hearts what the things are we're supposed to do and things we aren't supposed to do. We don't need a comment that says, Thou shalt not steal to know we shouldn't steal. We don't need a commandment about that. Because even a little, little kid that's two years old knows you shouldn't steal, but they do it anyway. You don't have to teach a two-year-old how to lie. You don't have to teach him how to steal because it's just inherent in us. But they know it's wrong because... God's laws are written in our hearts. And the closer we get to God, we don't need to worry about all these do's, don'ts, and all these things in there because God will fine-tune us, and he will make everything right. He will provide for us what we really need in our lives, in his own timetable, at his own time, and the time that's best for us. When we try to uh, hurry it up, then we end up with a Hagar, and we end up with Ishmael. And look at the problems that caused for our world. If there would never been an Ishmael, this world would have been a lot safer place to live because of that. And that conflict's going on and on and on and on and will till the Lord comes and straightens it all out. But that's what God wants for us. Ten principles to live by. Go through them once in a while in the third chapter of Proverbs and gain the understanding and things that you need. And seek wisdom because when you seek wisdom, you get all the benefits that go with it because God will change who we are. And then it won't matter if the wicked are prospering because you don't care because you're looking ahead. You're looking to what God has got planned for you because his riches have more than we can ever ask or think and more imaginable than we'll ever think. Praise the Lord. Let's pray.
Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that for your 